Hey there. Before we begin the episode, I wanted to quickly introduce you to the Art Is Podcast's new partner, Artmo. Artmo is a community-centered marketplace where any artist can sell their work and any art lover can buy art commission-free. What's really cool about Artmo is it's the first platform of its kind that lets you sell both physical art and NFTs in one place. They're bridging the traditional art world and the Web3 universe, and I'm super excited about it. The best part? You can turn any of your physical or digital artworks into an NFT on their platform, adding provenance, security, and authentication to your piece. NFTs can be a bit tricky to understand and create, but thanks to Artmo's dedicated team, it's become so much easier. And that's not all. Artmo is not just a marketplace, but also a media platform where creatives can connect, network, and join open forums and discussion groups. It's a great place to engage with fellow artists and art enthusiasts. Also, it's totally free for artists to sign up, and there's no long application process or gatekeeping involved. So what are you waiting for? Join the Artmo community now and head over to Artmo's website to sign up and start sharing and selling your work. Go to artmo.com, A-R-T-M-O dot com, or check out the show notes of this episode to learn more. Do you struggle with the fear of being seen? Do you feel like you're not good enough? Are you afraid of taking the next step? Are you afraid of telling people you're an artist? Do you fear looking like a fool? This is Art Is, a podcast for artists, where we brainstorm the future of the art world and the creative industries. Welcome back to the Art Is podcast, a podcast for artists. This is episode seven of season five, and I'm delighted to be joined for this season with Lauren Hill from Curated Splash, my co-host. We're here in sunny Los Angeles recording live. As an artist or creative, there's this deep desire to be visible. Maybe it's you that wants to be visible or your work or a combination of the two. There might even be a desire below that to be famous. And understanding why you want to be visible will essentially help you become more seen. There's a lot of self-doubt that comes up when thinking about being in the public. What are people going to think of me? Will I be judged? What do I think of me? So really diving deep into figuring out why you want to be visible will help you understand and strengthen your belief that you can do it. So here are some questions to ask yourself. Why do you love what you have to offer? Why is what you have to offer so amazing? How would you show up if you believed that there were people in line ready and waiting to buy from you? You can even imagine your business as a store with an actual line at the door. The door is shut. You're not open for business yet. But there's a full line waiting for you and waiting for what you have. And all you have to do is open the door and people will hand you money for what you're providing. 
how would you show up differently if you believed that? And why will what you have to offer change their life? Truly understanding your why is the key to moving things forward. So Azada, what has your experience been with sharing your own work and the fear that has come up while promoting your own business? Well, that's an interesting question. Thank you for asking me. Um, I guess I had never really thought about the intention behind posting. And I guess I always understood the importance of sharing on Instagram, but I had never really set an actual intention for how I wanted to show up. My Instagram account was a personal account that has now merged into a professional account. And when I was in art school, I would share here and there for fun and just you know, as a kind of self-archive and, you know, to share with some close friends and family and, you know, I never really thought too intentionally about it. And then I guess when I graduated and the reality set in of how much I needed to learn about developing a professional practice as an artist, I was really intimidated by what I was seeing on Instagram and I was really comparing myself and what I saw as like the lack of progress to those around me. And so instead of even sharing what I was doing and where I was at and what I was working on, I just didn't share at all. And I got quite intimidated by my own limiting beliefs. And so because I wasn't making artwork for an entire year after graduating, I felt like I wasn't worthy of sharing and that, that I didn't have anything interesting to contribute. And so I should just be absent. And at the same time, I guess I began realizing a little bit of my own personal beliefs around how I wanted to show up online and on social media. I'm not interested in sharing my personal life on social media and on Instagram. I know a lot of people enjoy doing that. And you know, that's great. I'm just not as interested in doing that. And so I just decided not to share my life. And so I didn't share any of my work. And, you know, just as we've been discussing the various versions of yourself that exist, you don't have to share all of those versions, but everybody knows how important Instagram is for developing professional practice as an artist. And I guess I realized that I wasn't exempt from that and that I was missing out by not sharing, and that it was a really easy thing within my control, entirely within my control of how and what message I was putting out there. And so by shifting my focus of my account to really a documentary archive of the work that I've been doing, you know, narrated by myself in terms of the quantity of details I wanted to share or not share, I realized that it's actually not that big of a deal and I was really holding on to a lot of anxiety and self-doubt about something that is totally within my control to do or not to do. And I was wasting a lot of time and energy on feeling badly about not showing up and not sharing and I just am relieved to not 
care so much about that anymore and just kind of let it be as helpful as it possibly can be for me. And that's it. Yeah, that's the perfect example because what I'm hearing is that you got clear with your intention as to why you wanted to share, why you wanted to be visible. Because before, maybe there were some thoughts going on like, but I don't want to be visible. Like, I don't want this part of my life to be visible. So why would I be sharing? But there is part of you, part of your practice that you do want to be visible. So it's understanding what parts of it and then getting clear on like how you can share that. Another way to boost your visibility is to really understand your ideal customer and client avatar. When you understand your ideal client, you essentially know how to market to them. And the best way to understand the characteristics of your ideal client is to use real-life people. And if you haven't made your first sale yet, that's okay because you can just use a previous or current version of yourself as the person interested in buying from you. So take one of your current or previous clients that had the following characteristics to make up your I-D-E-A-L, your ideal customer. The I stands for interests are similar to yours. D is for decisive and ready to take action. E is for excellent testimonial or review. A is for able to pay. And L loves what you have to offer. So in this exercise, you can write down a few people who have purchased from you that qualify as each of the attributes. What kind of person were they? And why did they need what you have? What made them so ready to buy? And what specifically did they say in their review that they loved about your product or service? And if you're a brand new business, like I said, if you haven't had any customers before, that's okay too. You can just use a version of yourself for this exercise and disregard that e-line without the testimonial review. You don't need that. So just think about when in your life would you have been ready and willing to buy what you have to offer right now? Why would that version of you absolutely love what you have to offer? And here are some other questions to ask, working with a few more constraints. Who do you want to help or serve? Where do you envision your work living? What types of people already come to you for what you have to offer? What kind of goals and values do these people have? And what kind of challenges or frustrations are they facing? So truly understanding your why is the key to moving things forward so that you can become visible. Another idea that Izata and I have been discussing 
is around the area of risk. And how showing up and deciding that you want to be visible comes with risk and overcoming fear and self-doubt. And it just made us think of this passage from Julia Cameron's The Artist Way that we wanted to share. What would I do if I didn't have to do it perfectly? A great deal more than I am. We've all heard that an unexamined life is not worth living, but consider too that the unlived life is not worth examining. The success of creative recovery hinges on our ability to move out of the head and into action. This brings us squarely to risk. Most of us are practiced at taking ourselves out of risk. We are skilled speculators on the probable pain of self-exposure. I'll look like an idiot, we say, conjuring images of our first acting class, our first hobbled short story, or our terrible drawings. Part of the game here is lining up the masters and measuring our baby steps against their perfect craft. We don't compare our student films to George Lucas's student films. Instead, we compare them to Star Wars. We deny that in order to do something well, we must first be willing to do it badly. Instead, we opt for setting our limits at the point where we feel assured of success. Living within these bounds, we may feel stifled, smothered, despairing, bored. But yes, we do feel safe, and safety is a very expensive illusion. In order to risk, we must jettison our accepted limits. We must break through, I can't because I'm too old, too broke, too shy, too proud, self-defended, timorous. Usually when we say we can't do something, what we mean is that we won't do something unless we can guarantee that we'll do it perfectly. Working artists know the folly of this stance. There's a common joke among directors. Oh yeah, I always know exactly how I should direct the picture after I'm done directing it. End quote. I absolutely love that quote, and it reminds me of another quote that someone told me, which is, bring the body and the mind will follow. This is such a wonderful concept because a lot of times when we're showing up, we have all the thoughts that go along with it, all the self-doubt that goes along with it. So simplifying things and just showing up before you start overthinking things allows the ball to get moving. We overcomplicate so many things with our expectations, our feelings, our thoughts, and instead just allowing ourselves to take action, letting go of all the thoughts and feelings that we have, and just showing up is essentially a, a great way to create inertia. And speaking of the desire to be famous that some of us have, I have a great clip here from an interview that I did with Christina Morris, who is a photographer based in the Napa Valley. And she talks about her experience going viral when she was 27 weeks pregnant and recording a dance video. So here's the clip. I have a question about that viral video. Did that bring you more clients or did it bring you, what was that experience like? Tell people a little bit about this experience. Cause I remember that years ago. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. So 
like I said, I've taught dance at Napa High for 13 years and, and, and another studio as well. So after I would teach, I would perform with the kids. Um, not to perform with the kids necessarily, although one of my, with my first daughter, I did. My grandpa showed up. Um, he's no longer with us. My grandpa, my aunt, my mom, and everyone showed up. And so I danced with the class to show my grandpa, really. And I was 20-something weeks with Layla. And so that was cool. And so each time I got pregnant, I would still dance. And so this was my third and final pregnancy. I said, I have four kids. I have a bonus baby um, with my marriage here. Um, but I was pregnant with Lincoln. And I said to my buddy Aurelio, I said, can you record this? Because this ain't happening again. I am not doing this again. Um, and I was 27 weeks. And I went for it. And I ended up posting it on Facebook for my friends. And I forget who it was. I think it was a photographer somewhere in the Midwest. That's very like detailed. I do remember that. <laughs> and she asked, can you make it public? I want to share. And I was like, sure. Made it public. I think it was in 24 hours. It was like 7,000 views, 11,000 views, 18. And it just started going and going and going. And then when they say viral, they mean it. I mean, uh, I remember, I, I remember, do you say member? I do that a lot. Uh, it was a New York City radio DJ and he shared it on his page. And this was being shared. I mean, Jillian Michael shared it. Baby Center shared it. Um, the Ellen Show called me. I was due too close to Christmas. They wouldn't let me come on. I was like, you'll be late. Don't worry. My baby's come like eight years late. It's fine. And he did two weeks late. Um, but because they book their, their Christmas shows out, they have them very much scheduled. If I was to go into labor, it would throw off their whole jam. So I get it. I should have asked to come on after he was born and done the same dance with him. But so this radio DJ shared it and it was 25 million views, I think in 48 hours. That was one, one video. So wow. the cool thing is when you have a video that starts gaining traction, these these companies reach out to you, hey, we want to, you know, rep your video. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So <laughs> bargaining with people, they're like, we'll give you 50-50 or we'll give you 60-50. I was like 80-20 and they're like, deals. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it got represented by Viral Hog. And um, so anytime you see a video pop up, if you see a name, you know, on it, they're, they're getting benefits, uh, royalties. So I made like, I don't know, $3,500 off of this video, which was pretty cool. Um, totally like not planned. And then Barcroft Media, they're a British uh, like online media company. They did a little documentary on me. So there's like this little mini documentary on YouTube. And I'm like walking through the park with my kids. And he's like, Christina Lytle has three, you know, two daughters and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, it's so much cooler with an accent. Um, so that was just, it was just such a cool time. So unexpected. Uh, they recorded me teaching a class, other pregnant gals. And um, it was neat. You know, families text me. I remember I was shooting a wedding and I was getting texts. It's at 40 million or, you know, whatever it was, whatever the numbers was. And I'm like, ah! so it was just really cool. And it will pop up. Something just popped up last week. It was like 30 amazing women. There's like women taming snakes and alligators. And then there's me just like, with my belly you know I don't know how that you know evens out but whatever you put me oh, at that's fine um and so what happens is you see this is what happens so 
you're on Facebook and you're like, oh my gosh, did you see that pregnant lady dancing? Whatever. So then you go to YouTube, pregnant lady dancing, and inevitably you're going to find it and you're going to watch it. Every time you watch it, it's a royalty. And it's small. So you think about these people that release videos every week or every day, like that's where the money's at. So if you can figure out how to go viral and start your YouTube account, like <laughs> I'm like, I need to figure this out because that's just too much fun. Lots of work, but it'd be fun. That's so crazy. Well, I definitely feel like this has to be shared again today. So people can, who haven't seen it can watch it. So if you can yep. share a link on your stories, that would be so fun. And I want to reshare it too, yeah. just so people know about it. Cause it is such a great video and you know, you're an inspiration like that. That's awesome that you can do that with your body. And like, what about, I'm curious about the, the feedback. Like, how did you deal with people re responding? So, well, first of all, it was really cool because it was on entertainment. Was it entertainment or E? It was on some entertainment tonight or something like that. I don't want to say 100%, but I'm pretty freaking sure I started the pregnant mom dancing on the internet like movement. And then it was like, oh, this woman's working out and she's pregnant. But it just blew up. Um, women can still function while pregnant. What a concept, you know, but the, the backlash from the internet was equal parts, probably more, it was more supportive than it was offensive. Um, but people said really heinous things, heinous. And you imagine, like I said, I'm two weeks late. I'm sitting here with like a pint of ice cream crying. I'm going to say this cause I don't care. Somebody, once it went to like yahoo.com and aol.com, you're just a screen name, right? No, there's no accountability on Facebook. You can click somebody's name and see mutual friends and stuff and be like, yeah, you definitely live in a basement. Um, but once you got onto the, the big interwebs, it was, it was crazy. So they did this article. They talked about my ex-husband being a cop and the, my daughter's names and this is my first son and somebody's comment oh, I'll never forget it I could say it verbatim said I wonder what trailer park that cop had to drag a dollar through to get that Bowser <laughs> I was like <laughs> crying oh my god when X comes in and he's like why are you reading that stuff I'm like because I need to know what they're saying you know like I'm huge i'm like a whale over here just waiting everyone's having their babies that are due after me and i was just yeah i was self-sabotaging it was terrible someone said that i look like jay leno i mean the comments were gosh that's a prosthetic she's she's every name in the book by the way this is uh we know how she got pregnant it's like yeah dave it's called intercourse like are you serious? <laughs> uh, but clearly because i was you know twerking so hard that um just immaculate conception but it was it was crazy like oh the baby's gonna drop out how ex how disgusting and disrespectful of you your baby's gonna have shaken baby syndrome it's like good lord so how did you deal with that did you just kind of be like all right i'm not gonna listen to this shut oh, no. it down or did it really affect you i read everything like i hope the Kardashians and everyone just doesn't read their comments because people on their, on the internet are so foul. They're just so heartless and mean. And I think some of them are just like, eh, look what I can do. Like, let me get a rile out of somebody in that Barcroft documentary. I said, look, it's somebody's mom, daughter, sister, wife, like, and you're belittling them for what, for what, you know, it's, it's, I, 
after that, I was like, ooh, I know they're celebrities and they seem like they're untouchable, but they're humans. And so you just don't say anything. I'm not calling myself a celebrity. I just, how people think that their opinion is even just, why speak it? If, what did, who was it? Flower? <laughs> you have nothing nice to say or yeah, don't say anything at all from Bambi. <laughs> um, my kids need to watch that. I was like, here is a life lesson. <laughs> but do you think, do you think that experience made you a stronger person? Yeah, I, I do think so. I think it definitely has to thicken up your skin. Someone can watch my dance video, let's sideswipe to that and be like, that's amazing. And someone's like, she's a H-O-E, you know? So, but with photography, I've done the same love and, and attention to detail, 110% every time I show up and someone's not going to be happy. And you're sitting there like, what did I do wrong? You could be the sweetest, juiciest, most beautiful peach and somebody's not gonna like peaches. Someone said that to me during my divorce. And I was like, yes, that is so, so true. And I, that has stuck with me, um, the peach analogy. So when someone's unhappy with my video or unhappy with my spin class or unhappy with my photo shoot, um, I'm thankful that that has not happened very often. Um, if I have an hour shoot and I don't have what I need in an hour, I go over the hour. Do you know, I'm like, I want to provide that service that's going to open up their mind and heart to accepting themselves in a, in a photo, which is, it seems so simple, but so many of us don't like pictures of ourselves. So my goal is to give you something that you're going to love. And that sometimes takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and it's exhausting, but it's worth well, it. For sure. So worth it. I love hearing her experience with going viral and the analogy of the juicy peach that she refers to. You could be the juiciest peach out there, but not everyone loves peaches. It's interesting to reflect on Christina's story and recognize how these few moments of fame can bring up like almost like shadow desires within yourself. So um, the idea of, you know, wanting to be famous or the idea of wanting to make a certain amount of money or the idea of wanting to exist in a certain community. I think it's really interesting to reflect on those shadow desires and on those, you know, things that maybe you haven't even really admitted to yourself that you are seeking and as Lauren has so expertly shared in the previous episode, perhaps the best way forward is to examine them further and to sit with those desires and to, you know, explore them and not judge yourself for them, but to sit with them and bring them into your, you know, inner world and examine them with respect and with curiosity. Yeah. Because as you go for the things that you want to, there's these certain self-concept shifts that have to happen. And just even understanding first for yourself what you want before you put it out to the world, like that's okay, right? Like keeping it close to your heart, holding your your dreams and desires close to your heart so that people don't 
you know, mess with those dreams, essentially. And then, you know, bit by bit, kind of shifting as you start shifting that self concept of, you know, maybe even it's just the idea of you being an artist. You know, a lot of people, a lot of the clients I work with, it's transitioning from this one like corporate self into being more of an artist and and letting themselves call themselves an artist like I am an artist and telling that to people sometimes it's even just that shift and uh and allowing yourself to own it owning that desire and even if it is the desire to be famous, right? Or to have a huge following or to run a large company or to, you know, to win a Grammy or to, you know, like something at a really high level that you see for yourself and that you authentically desire. And I think it's fun to play around with sharing that with people, but, you know, a lot of people have their own opinions and projections about those things. So just knowing that when you do share those things, you're not always going to get the encouragement and support that you may, may want as well. And it really makes me think of like, even just the desire of not only calling yourself an artist, but like just doing artwork, you know, so few people, you know, within the public discourse, like just being a working artist who sustains themselves from their practice is is not like a discussed topic you know even just that maybe that shadow idea of like just wanting to sell your work and so it makes me think about like how helpful exercises are like the ideal uh, customer avatar that you explained earlier can be in just demystifying some of these things that maybe seem so out of reach but actually by just, you know, meditating on them and looking into them can, you know, slowly be unpacked and of course, like shared with your community and, you know, your people around you, but maybe even just like kept to yourself so that, you know, with repetition and with focus, they become less scary or less ridiculous and slowly become attainable. Yeah. And, and you hit on a great point of like taking action, you know, doing the art because it's, that's the journey. That's the process. That's the shift. That's the self-concept shift that needs to happen through the action. And like, you know, I, I brought up before, like take the body and the mind will follow just getting out there, experimenting, taking action and letting go of the thoughts all of the thoughts, other people's thoughts, your thoughts, you know, the thoughts that are limiting you, the thoughts that are holding you back, the thoughts that are keeping you stuck, and just get out there and take action. Thank you for listening to Art Is, a podcast for artists. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in this episode. To access the episode transcript and more info on the themes outlined in season five, go to artispodcast.com. This episode was created by me, Isalta Page, and Lauren Hill from Curated Splash, with original music by Black Wonder Twins. You can find them on all streaming platforms and on YouTube and Instagram under the same handle. Okay, that's it for now. 
See you next Thursday. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our podcast editor, AK Joel, who's actually a professional video editor and YouTuber, but also edits podcasts. If you want to contact him about editing your own videos or podcasts, you can message him directly on Instagram at akjoel.films. That's A-K-J-O-E-L dot F-I-L-M-S. You can also find his contact information in this episode's show notes.